I'm Hannah. Hi, I'm Rochelle, and welcome to Boxbox F1 Pod. Today's episode is a Formula 101 where we take you through the ins and outs of a Grand Prix. What is it? What's the schedule? What's the ground layout? What are all those words people keep saying? All that and more. So, a race in a Formula One season is called a Grand Prix. And plural, it's Grands Prix. Do you actually say the S or do you just write it? No. What do you mean write it? Like, is it just written with an S at the end or do you actually pronounce the S? Oh, I think you actually say it. Grand Prix. But you only say it if you're pretentious. Otherwise, it's Grand Prix. (laughs) Well, if you're not pretentious, then you're not watching Formula One. But um, iconically, I forget which race it was, but Serena Oh, yeah. Oh, the best race of all. Serena Williams was the guest of Aston Martin. And the interviewer was like, how do you like today? She's like, it's great to be at a Grand Prix. Grand. She went a full Grand American Prix. <laughs> Yeah. That made us um, aware that not everyone knows how to say it, especially if you're from America. Yeah. Americans. Tisk tisk. Although, if you're going to be in Monaco... Learn the lingo, Serena. And maybe don't wear brown plaid. But that's a story for another day. (laughs) Yeah, it was appalling. So anyways, (laughs) in an F1 season, there's about 20 races. And the whole season is from the end of March to mid-December. And there's also a two-week mandatory summer break, which we're in right now, like in August, where no work is allowed. Because Europe. (laughs) Because Europe. But, like, literally every member, like, not just the drivers, every single little engineer, technician, secretary, they're all somewhere on a beach. Like, it's it's crazy. They're banned from their workplace. Yeah. Doors are locked and people are watching. You touch a car, you're out of there. Yeah, which, as an American, I'm dying for my workplace to ban me any minute. (laughs) Uh, They did. Um, For a bit, we were all banned for a hot second. We still had to work from home, which seems criminal. Um, Yeah, no, they were like, oh, a global pandemic that's ruining everyone's lives and killing people? Take your computer. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love America. (laughs) Yeah, we're productive AF. I don't know what we get done, though. (laughs) Not Grand Prix. Um, (laughs) So um, a big part of a Grand Prix weekend is the schedule. And no one describes this schedule better than Lando via a popular internet song. Um, it's popping in the European clubs. Yes. All now, because the memes. Because the memes. Um, just a, a, a word, a spoken word rendition of it, it goes, it's Friday, then, it's Saturday, Sunday. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> and Lando saying this as a radio check during, um, during a practice session, um, I thought he made it up and was thoroughly impressed by his, like, brief summary of the weekend. He didn't make it up. Yeah, there's actually... It became extremely viral on the internet because a man 
it looks like he's on a safari or something, but he's dancing alongside a moving car. You just have to look up basically the Friday song and you'll yeah. you'll get it. Yeah. Yes. Another great um, rendition of it is where Carlos is trying to learn the Friday song and Lando is teaching him like word for word, even though it's like the simplest song ever. Carl's like, it's Friday, then what? <laughs> it's Saturday. <laughs> it was it was um, funny. Anyway. Yes, so here's the song. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, what? It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, what? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> okay. What a jam. Yep. Cut that out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so first is Thursday, and Thursday is um, sort of admin day. They do um, they have media uh, interviews. They have their press conferences. Um, that's where we get a lot of the juicy drama content, where they sass each other. That's a good day. Um, and then they also do a track walk or a track cycle, or they don't go at all. But theoretically, you're supposed to go with your engineers to the track and walk the entire course so you know where the turns are and you know what to do and you know how to act. And there's city tracks like the one in Monaco or like Singapore's a pretty one. And then there's non-city tracks, which are in the middle of nowhere. Yes. I'm not totally sure they're called non-city tracks or middle of nowhere tracks. Or rural. Rural tracks. (laughs) Let's go with rural. Um, I mean, they're usually in the outskirts of a city, though, you know? Yes. There's never... They have to be accessible to the public. Exactly. Although the French one seems to be, like, in literally the middle of... It's like a random little village with a castle. Yeah, sometimes you have to camp. Yes. Oh, yeah, Silverstone, the camp. A lot of people camp. Even though that is close to a city, I think. But anyway... Sometimes it's a vibe. <laughs> I've never I've never felt a camping vibe in my life. Me neither. <laughs> me neither. I would I would all, those are bad vibes to I me. I hate those vibes. I back away from camp vibes. Yes. Um after Thursday as the song um told us is Friday Um, and Friday we begin the little driving there's free practice one and free practice two and these are important because there's a limit to the amount of testing you can do outside of a race weekend so this is a great time for engineers and the drivers to really get a feel for the track and like what to expect then it's Saturday quality day The purpose of the qualifying race on Saturday is to set the starting grid for the race on Sunday. And basically, the grid is the lineup of cars um, staggered in rows of two. And the first person in the front is called a pole position. So they get to start before everyone else. And that's a huge advantage. Okay, so the quali format, there is free practice three again in the morning, and then the qualifying races start. So first is Q1, where all 20 cars drive an unlimited number of laps for 20 minutes, and then the slowest five cars are eliminated, and so they take spots 16 through 20 on the grid. 
And then it's Q2, where the top 15 cars drive an unlimited number of laps for 15 minutes. The slowest five cars take spots 11 through 15 on the grid. Then in Q3, the top 10 cars drive for 10 minutes, and that usually adds up to about two laps, and this sets the top 10 spots. And an important rule to note, which you'll often hear the commentators reference, is that the top 10 have to start the race on the tires they were using during Q2. Um, and then it's Sunday, which is race day. Obviously, the grid, grid has been set. You start wherever you finish during qualifying. Um, a race is usually just under two hours. And actually, if there is actual race time that goes over two hours, then the race is stopped at the two-hour mark. And wherever you finish, you finish. The race ends with a podium where the top three and a representative from the winning team are all awarded trophies and they spray champagne at each other like the sophisticated gentlemen they are. Um, the national anthem of the first place drivers played and then for some reason they always follow with the Toreador march from the opera Carmen and I no never know why but they do. Um, and it's a very exciting time and everyone stands and cries underneath them because they're so happy and that's it. And so one new format to all of this that was introduced this year in 2021 are sprint races. And so it, it only happened once in Silverstone so far, but it's planned for two other weekends this year. And the main difference is that the qualifying, what we just explained, the traditional quali is on Friday, which sets the grid for the sprint race on qualifying day on Saturday. And the sprint is about 30 minutes, which is about three laps. And the sprint results set the grid for the actual race on Sunday. And there's a lot of debate as to whether that should be the case because it sort of screws up the data and the tradition of qualifying, traditional qualifying, setting the, um, the grid. And whoever gets pole through that should, some people think they should retain pole position regardless of sprint results. The top three winners in sprint races receive points, but no points are awarded to them in traditional qualifying. So, scoring. The entire F1 season is a competition in the World Constructors Championship and the Drivers' Championship. The World Constructors' Championship refers to the team competition um, because each team constructs their own Formula One cars Whoever wins the World Constructors Championship has accumulated the most amount of points throughout the season. Um, and this is what makes it a team sport. The points scored by both the drivers on a team collectively add up to determine team standing. So two drivers on the team, their points are added up. Then there's the Drivers Championship, which um, is individual. Uh, your own points only count for that. So you'll often hear the announcers discussing each team's standings in addition to each driver's results. And this is also where a lot of the drama comes from in Formula One because you are simultaneously teammates, but you're also competing against each other. Um, and it creates a lot of interesting dynamics on track. So in each race, the number of points given depends on how you place in the top 10. So first place gets 25 points, 
Second place gets 18 and third gets 15. Fourth place gets 12 and it just decreases by two. So fifth place gets 10, sixth gets eight, seventh gets six, eighth gets four, ninth gets two, and tenth gets one point. And one bonus point is given for the fastest lap, but that point can only go to a driver who finished in the top 10. And then the whole point of this, other than the glamour and fun, is to win money. The prize money doesn't really affect the drivers because their salaries and bonuses come from the teams and are pre-negotiated usually, but the teams win money based on how their teams place. And so F1 as an organization earns revenue from ticket sales and everything and ad money. And so 50% of the total money made in an F1 season goes to the prize money fund. And then the remaining 50% of the money goes to the Formula One group and shareholders. And basically from the half of the money that goes to the prize money fund, part of it's awarded based on team standing. So obviously the winner of the season gets the most, but also a quarter of the money is divided equally among the top 10 teams. And then there's also bonuses. So for example, last season in 2020 where Mercedes won, they got $35 million along with the other top 10 teams, and then they got $66 million for placing first, and then they got a $76 million bonus. That's so I can't so even imagine. Money. I can't even imagine. What do you even do? I guess you pay for well, people and build and a car. And invest in a car, yeah. Yeah, so much money. Okay, so another um, big part of Formula One is the logistics. Uh, which once you start watching you like think how the hell do they get everywhere um, they've been described as a traveling circus because they travel with a lot of crap they travel with the cars with the garages I guess with the teams and with a giant motorhome and this isn't like a trailer park motorhome this is like a three story Full chef's kitchen, offices, media room, training facilities. Uh, recently, with new restrictions and everything, I believe, you know, to save the planet, <clears throat> they are limiting motorhome transportation to mainland Europe, I believe. What are they doing in Abu Dhabi? So, some tracks have built-in accommodation, I think. I'm not 100% sure, but I do know that they're definitely limited on where they can transport their motorhomes. That um, should save everything. Yeah, they, they've single-handedly salvaged Mother Earth. Um, and that's where DHL comes in. If you see DHL everywhere, they're the ones um, getting them from point A to point B. Another uh, part of a whole geographical situation is the pit lane. The pit lane is where you see, it's parallel to the track, and it's where you see the drivers drive in to get their maintenance, to get their tires changed. If there's anything that happens during the race and they need a part change, that's where they come in. That's where you see the pit crew, like, bobbing out with their little run, changing tires quickly and running back out. The pit lane has a much slower... Has a much slower um, speed speed limit. 
much lower speed limit. So it's usually they lose about 30 seconds. So they have to take pit lane strategy to it into account. Um, but right next to the pit lanes are the paddocks and the garages and behind those are the motorhomes. Yep, and that's where you see all the engineers and team principals huddled over graphs. So if you attend a Grand Prix in real life, it's supposed to be fancy AF if you've bought tickets. Some people sit in the grass on the side and it looks terrible. Um, remember when we watched Rush and we saw them eating like dusty mussels by the side of the track? Yes, I don't remember them being dusty. Well, I think the whole area was dust. The muscles didn't yeah. look appealing. They did, it no. did not look like a It was track. like 90 degrees. I don't know yes. what they were doing. <laughs> well, I think it's better now <laughs> with air conditioning and everything. Um, there's a lot of grandstands where the plebs sit. Um, and That's uh, us. That's us. <laughs> um, and they all, they're all, can you explain the headphone thing? Because I never got it. Oh, yeah. So basically, it's like watching a marathon or golf where you're in a static position, but everything actually is happening not where you are. So strategically, you have to bring some headphones and hopefully have some service on your phone so you can listen to the live coverage so you can figure out what's going on. And I think there are some TVs or screens that you could kind of watch the race on too. But for the most part, you probably can't see anything, especially in the grandstands. So you have to listen to it. And then hopefully when the cars zoom past you, you know what's going on. It honestly doesn't sound pleasant at all. I mean, unless there's a massive crash that happens near you. You're just watching cars zoom past you with no context. Yeah, every like 15 minutes, you're like, oh, there it goes again. Oh. Um, and you're shoved together like sardines in a can. Like, it doesn't look like a relaxing experience. Well, that's why you shouldn't go to anything as a plebeian. That's how, <laughs> that's the experience. You just get into a mosh pit. Yeah, you might as well just watch at home at that point if you can't afford the real deal. Yeah. <laughs> There's also celebrities. Lots of celebrity sightings, depending on the um, track. Some Some tracks do not bring out the famous but well this season has not been good for celebrities no well i guess there's no true fans well there's been other d-list celebrities none of them are d-list tom cruise has moved down tom cruise is not a d-list he's not an a-list he's He's not an a-list i would say he's an a-list celebrity well, I think he's a solid B-list then. Okay, Harrison Ford is... St- anyone people can name, like, at home, like, a home name... What are they called? Kitchen names? Whatever names that people know. Um, kitchen sink. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Hugh Grant. He Hugh- was in um, that thing with Nicole Kidman. <laughs> yeah, but he was also at the Grand Prix, like, two years ago. Tom Holland was there. He's he looks in Marvel. like Lando. He does. Look, <laughs> he does look like Lando. Um, did you see that cute video of them playing the Spider-Man theme tune from McLaren yes. when he walked by? That was cute. But basically, what I'm saying is, two to three years ago, we had Tom Brady, Giselle, Chris Jenner, Bella. The reason there is no celebs is because those people were like not guests of drivers i don't think they were no one's really allowed to come to this until like one one grand prix ago before that there were no uh 
like spectators so you were only allowed if you were you were sitting in like the garage garage as a guest yeah. of the driver so like um harrison ford was a guest of williams i don't know why um and then yeah uh tom cruise was lewis's best friend for a, just a day <laughs> just a day um he hugged him before he hugged his family so there was that Anyway, so it's not just the lebs that go. The truly greatest experience that you can have at a Grand Prix is if you do the F1 Paddock Club. Because... Fancy, fancy. Fancy, fancy. It's more than a chair. I think it embodies the very essence of F1 culture. First rule of F1 Paddock Club is money, money, money. Yes, it is. It's all about the bourgeois. (laughs) Yes, that's their that's their slogan. Yeah, <laughs> for the bourgeois, please out. <laughs> yes, their dress code is quite strict. According to based off their Instagram, it seems to just be neutral linens. It's smart casual for rich, and for the rich, smart casual is linen. It's anything plain and breezy. Yes. That, like, (laughs) is clearly very expensive, but it's so simple you can't tell. Then, also, they go on a track walk. So, they take you on a guided track walk. Like, I don't know, like, those hop-on, hop-off buses (laughs) in London. But it's not London. It's a track. And the best part is that they get to watch the Grand Prix from the Grand Balcony. It's just, it over, it overlooks the poor like you know like in the old days where the royal yes, court would the sit balconies yes and then like everyone else was in the dirt watching the jousting that's like what i'm imagining here but also um, that's the most ideal view of the track also yeah so the balcony is called the paddock club because it overlooks the paddocks so not only do you get to see the starting grid you get to see the pit stops yeah it's like literally the best spot that you could be Plus personal space, which I find very important. Yes, and it's like catered with drinks. Yes. The fuel is top notch. First of all, lots of espresso and champagne. But yeah, like when I was reading what you need to bring to sit in the grandstands, they were like, (laughs) make sure to bring a refillable water bottle in case you find a water fountain. It's going to get hot. Bring a change of clothes. <laughs> oh, gross. I don't think we can do this. Given that we hate camping, this is essentially camping for two hours in a stand. And since our goal is to spread the incredible concept of Formula One and to bring new people to the sport, we need to be comfortable. And we're not going to be able to paint the sport in a great light if we're sweating like pigs on the side of the road. Middle ground between grandstands and the paddock club is the idea of getting a high-rise hotel room where we are in an air-conditioned room watching TV but overlooking the track to see see what's going on IRL. <laughs> yes, although at that point, if we can afford a high-rise hotel room in Monaco, we might as well go to the F1 paddock I, club. I was thinking, like, Miami potentially. Okay, I because can do that. I mean, I don't know how much the paddock club is, but I know Miami hotels are cheap. (laughs) But they might not be during the Grand Prix. Um, That's why we have to get ahead. I don't think it's going to be Monaco prices, though. 
No, it won't be. But um, the F, I, I looked up Abu Dhabi, the last race of the year, is the only one that has still has available tickets. Uh, it is $4,000 a person. For Grandstand or Paddock? For Paddock Club. Totally affordable um, for everyone. Maybe one day we'll be able to report live from the comfort of the Paddock Club. But for now, we'll report live from the comfort of our homes cross-country in America. <laughs> yep. So that was basically what a Grand Prix is. Make sure to check out part two where we break down more of the technical stuff like terminology, rules, and strategy. You can find that under episode 27. Yep. We'll see you soon. Box, box. Box, box. <laughs>